Radio Mano Papachango. Everybody, it's Chris, Uncle Chris. Uh, I'm back from North Carolina. I was there for three days, and holy hell, I can't even. I mean, I don't know where to start to describe what that visit was like. Um, I should probably just keep my mouth shut uh, until I'm releasing the podcast I record there. There were four. I went there thinking I there was one that uh, the woman who invited me, Elisa, I, I sort of knew her story and um, wanted to meet her and, and do a podcast with her because she's been through some very uh, intense and um, beautiful, in a strange way, beautiful experiences in the last uh, few years. And she was willing to share them. And I knew that it would be well worth flying out there just to to get to meet her and spend some time with her. But what I didn't really know was that the community that she lives in is just everybody there is is just uh, fascinating and wonderful. And I could have recorded, you know, I think there are 28 people living there. I could have recorded 28 podcasts for sure. I managed to, to do four in the three days I was there, as well as parties and swimming in ponds and milking a goat and uh Frida I think was the goat's name uh anyway it was really interesting uh, it's very much on my mind um you know you spend a few days out there eating food that's grown you know within a few miles uh goat cheese free and made from Frida's milk and people who are all just doing something really beautiful and forming a community um, of love and respect and cooperation and mutual regard. And uh, it's like drinking cold, clear water. And then you fly to LA and it's back to the Gatorade. Holy cow. I mean, I love where I live, but it's, uh, it's something it's really something to to be part of what's essentially a village um yeah so that's that's all coming up there um alisa's podcast will be the first that i release uh and then i also recorded uh, one with a guy named lyle who sort of is the he and his wife sort of bought up a big piece of land that then they're they've been selling pieces to other people and sort of uh it's almost like a a selective community building and then um the two guys from africa uh kabui from kenya and godi from congo both of whom are associated with the community in in different ways so anyway those are some really interesting podcasts that are coming up but uh because there's a lag in these things between what's you know what i'm doing today and the podcast that uh that i'm sharing with you because i don't want to run out uh gotta have some in the bank you know gotta bank them 
today's episode is equally fascinating, uh, but it happened about a month ago when I was in Costa Rica. This is this episode will be with Jerry, uh, who is the founder and uh, I guess CEO of Rhythmia Life Enhancement Center in Liberia, and uh, it's. His story is incredible, as you'll hear. It's uh, I, I don't even really want to talk about it too much. I'm just going to let him tell the story. Uh, on the news of Rhythmia, I mentioned a couple episodes ago that I was thinking, I was so impressed with the place that I was sort of looking for a way to have a gathering of, tangentially speaking, listeners down there. But having investigated it more, I've come to the conclusion that it's probably not the right the right uh, time uh the the week that opened up was in september it's it's too soon it's hard for me to work my schedule and i'm sure for most of you it would be hard to do something that soon as well and also the the way this place is set up it's it's uh it's i don't mean to say that it's overly expensive but it's expensive for people like me and who i imagine most of you are which is people who don't have a, a lot of money to, to plunk down for something like this right away. I think it's a fantastic mission that they're on and the place is really comfortable and nice. And, and so I think it's sort of aimed at people who are financially, uh, you know, have, have more cash available for something like this and they don't want to go to Peru and, you know, catch a bus to Iquitos or, you know, whatever, go into the jungle and stay in a thatch hut. And, you know, they're not looking for that. They're looking for uh, experiences with the plant medicine, but they want it to be more sort of um, curated and and catered and, and to be in an environment that isn't as intimidating for them. So it might be for people who are older, people who just haven't traveled that much and aren't really interested in the travel aspect of it. Um, people who are, are more sort of uh, trepidatious, maybe there's a medical issue, they want to go to a place where there's on staff, you know, on on site medical staff, that kind of thing. So I just, I, I you know, going around in circles, it's sort of like, I, I don't want to ask you to spend five grand to meet me, even though I'm not getting any of that money. I, I still don't want to ask you to spend that much. So uh, maybe we'll we'll figure out a way to do something in North America because I got probably 50, 60 emails from people saying, yeah, I'd love to come and, you know, meet you. And and probably half of those emails said, uh, but I looked on the website and I can't afford that. Can I help in the kitchen or can I do this or do that? And I get it. You know, that's that's how I live my life. And I still still how I live my life in many ways. Um and yeah, I, I just don't want to ask you to spend money you don't have. Um, so on the other hand, if you're if you fit the profile, uh, you know, you've got the, the cash and, and you're, you know, looking for that kind of experience. This place couldn't be better. It's it's really uh, a wonderful spot. Liberia, Costa Rica. All right. Without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and just get into this conversation with Jerry and uh, and I will I'm releasing a bunch of podcasts because I, I don't like this lag and I'm heading out on the road soon. So I'm going to be, you know, 
the frequency of recording is going to be picking up. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to try to, uh, release probably two a week for the next couple of weeks, maybe more. I just threw up a aroma audio yesterday, I think, or this morning. Yeah. God, I'm so jet lagged. I don't know where I am. Uh, by the way, the videos, um, that I recorded on these are going up on my YouTube page. I haven't really mentioned that much. I've been releasing the videos on Patreon first for the, the Patreon viewers. And then after a couple of days, I really, I just put them up on my YouTube page, but I haven't been sending up links on social media or anything. So I'll just tell you now, go to uh, YouTube, search Christopher Ryan, you'll find my page and you'll find uh, a bunch of videos, you know, TED Talks and whatever. I've, I've been throwing stuff up there for a while, but without really, you know, trying to attract much attention to it. But since I bought all these cameras and getting out onto the road and all that, uh, I'm going to be producing a lot more uh, video content. So hope you'll check that out if you're interested. Uh, if you prefer to just hear my voice and not see what I look like, I certainly understand that. <laughs> I don't blame you at all. I think I sound probably a lot better looking than I am. So if you want to just keep living in that illusion, that's perfectly fine with me. Anyway, uh, hope you enjoy this episode. I'm going to play you out with a song called Heaven's Sake. It's by our friend, friend of the podcast, um, Joel Havea. And uh, the record, the, uh, yeah, the album, if they still make albums, is called uh, You Make Me Believe. Joel Havea, and the tune is Heaven's Sake. Thanks for listening, and I will catch you soon. See, I was wrong, but just in time to realize I'm in control of mine. That much I take, this much be true. You don't wasn't up, it could be you, you, you Did I make, for heaven's sake Yeah, I made a few mistakes Sitting around, going mad Thinking of regrets I've had And I don't know what I'm gonna do Permanently thinking through And I I've been wrong But am in time Stop before I hit the bottom line And now that it's done Long overdue If you don't wasn't up It could be you, you, you Did I make, for heaven's sake Cause I made a few mistakes Sitting around, going mad Thinking of regrets I've had And I don't know what I'm gonna do Permanently thinking through an I and I I'm going crazy, I'm going mad. Worried if worse goes to bad. Cause I know that it takes only one small damn mistake. And unfortunately can't pretend. Say you wanna start again. Goodbye. Goodbye. Say Everything the way you know it Wasn't worth it if the worst will come And for heaven's sake It is better late 
never really changing at all. Did I make for heaven's sake? Cause I made a few mistakes. I said it round, I go in mad. I think enough regrets I've had. And I don't know what I'm gonna do. Permanently thinking through and I and I I'm going crazy, I'm going mad. Unfortunately, can't pretend and say you wanna start again. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. All right, all right, cool. Here we are. I am sitting in the living room in room 75 at Rhythmia. What's the? Is it Rhythmia Life Advancement Center? Uh-huh. Is that yeah. the official title? That's it. Uh, in Costa Rica, my first time ever in Costa Rica, and uh, I'm here uh, due to the generosity of Jerry, who oh, I'm sweet. What's your last name? Powell. Powell. Jerry Powell. So I would recommend. I'm going to say this. I, I record an intro later that I sort of tag okay. on, so I won't go into all that. Um, but uh, I'll repeat that I really recommend that people go and listen to your conversation with Kyle Tierman which I listened to, that really gave me a sense of who you are and your life trajectory. And, uh, I mean, what a life story. Holy mm. shit, dude. Interesting, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm not going to make you go through the okay. whole thing, Perfect. you know. Um, but, like, in a nutshell, do you want to just sort of talk sure. about... You're, what, four, 53, you said? Three. You're yeah. four. Yeah, yeah. yeah 53. <laughs> Somewhere in there. in a couple months. After, a month, after yeah. like... 16, who gives a what shit, does, you know? It doesn't matter. It's crazy. When <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So uh, you're in your early 50s. And so, like, it, it just yeah. give us a, a five-minute encapsulation. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, like you, I was born in Pennsylvania. Yeah. In, uh, in Scranton, uh, which is a little cold town. And I was born in an Irish, Italian, Catholic, pretty violent family. Um, and... Uh, as a result of that, I was uh, I was brought up in with violence, right? And mm. my dad hit my mother and hit his kids, and I was always weird. There was something always different about me than anybody else. Sorry, I felt that way. You have a lot of siblings. I only have two sisters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I was just different in school, different in and and uh, I ended up not doing well in school at all. I was. Uh, I was in the 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 class where uh, I ended up in the in the class for for children that couldn't learn, right. you know, in that that class, and and yet I had pretty good IQ scores, so it was a strange thing, and that didn't help me at home at all. Um, and you had uh, behavioral issues. I had tons of behavioral issues. Yeah. I was always in trouble. I ended up. In fights all the time. Right. I got, I got kicked out of that school, and and then I, I was forced to leave another school. And then I wound up in jail, and then I, uh, 
I was acquitted for these things that I actually did. I'm one of the few people that, that clearly did what he was accused of and got out of it by some grace of God, if there is such a thing. And, uh, and you, this wasn't like your parents hired a high-priced lawyer. No, I had a public defender. Public defender got you acquitted on seven Seven counts. consecutive counts of things that I did. I really can did. you are you yeah, comfortable there was talking two, two about gun you? charges and and uh, two gun charges with intent to distribute and five bad check charges that are so you were flirting checks yeah. and and guns allegedly charges. and at the same time too I I would if they had come through the door quicker I would have had a huge meth charge too I flushed a shit ton of meth down down the toilet as they were coming in how uh, old were you when this went down nineteen. You know, 19. So you were a local badass. I was not good. Yeah. <laughs> I was not good. I wasn't a good kid. Uh, and so I got out of that. And uh, and I just said, okay, I'm going to become something. And in the, the limited view of my family structure, something meant you were either going to make money and be something or not make money and not be something. And I, I learned how to make money. Um, were you making money on the math? Yeah, but but the was crazy was I had my fir- I'd started my first business and I was funding it with meth money. Right. And and not enough because I got behind on So it was checks. a legit business. Yeah, it was a satellite dish business actually. Uh, in, okay. in in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. Stroudsburg. Yeah. And uh and uh and it wasn't enough and and like the checks had I stayed out of jail would not have been bad. It was that kind of yeah, thing where I got right. caught in the middle of it. Cash but flow. I was completely at my fault. I never should have cut checks. Were you doing meth as well or just We were cooking it, it, cooking it and selling it. You were cooking yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. And we were selling a bunch of it. Like there was there was a substantial business, that, that business. And uh, How how'd you get out? How'd you get off? Was it a technicality or Well, when they came through the door, the my briefcase was open and the guns were there. And they weren't concealed, so uh, uh, the concealed weapon charge went away. You had license for them? Uh-uh. But but you're not. A, you don't have to have a license in the state of Pennsylvania. Oh. You just can't conceal them. Right. So the fact that they were the briefcases were open and the guns were in the briefcase was that, and that was just by chance. I was yeah. in the bathroom flushing meth. Right. So, so you just, forgot to close. You didn't have time like, to close. Oh, didn't the even, wasn't item. even thinking about that. Holy I was shit. thinking about this. And, and these then, aren't deer hunting rifles either. No, they're pistols. They're yeah. like all kinds of Lugers and yeah. all kinds of stuff. And the uh, and then the it was later proven that there wasn't intent to defraud anybody with the checks. That it was really my intent to pay them. But it right. could have gone such a different way. Right. Had the briefcase been closed, right. had it been there ten seconds earlier. Did the other dudes get off? It was just me in that hotel. Oh, you were just yeah. there. And I didn't roll on anybody. I was just. Uh, it was right. just all me, right. you know. So, uh, so, so the 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 part of that is that I got out of that, and I said, okay, I'm going to try to be something. And so I started like very shortly thereafter. I got a job selling resort timesharing at a place called the Carriage House of Pocono Manor, in 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 you know Strasburg, Mount Pocono corridor right. there. Yeah. And I was good at it. I was good at it, and I started making money. Next thing you know, I was running a resort in the Poconos, and then next thing you know, I was running one in Australia. I was 25, and I was... So you went from selling timeshare to managing the resort. Yeah, to to running them. I was a project director in in the United States. Then 
I went uh, on a vacation. I met a guy that owned a resort in Melbourne and he wanted to hire me and I got hired. So I, I was starting to do good, starting to really do good. And from that point on in my life, I got super lucky in business. So mm. like I think I, and, and not that this means anything, but I managed to save a million dollars in my 20s to put a, right. a million dollars away and da 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 but, but I would still go through wild swings where uh, you know, I lost that money, I invested that money in another company, and then that company went public, but, but uh, I got caught in the dot-com crash of that, so I was broke again uh, after having, you know, in excess of a hundred million dollar net worth. I got just like a, a real... hundred million dollar net worth at 20-something? I was, 30s? no, this is in my 30s, so 30s. 34, 35, like that. And you said you were lucky. Super lucky. Were you lucky, or was, was there something about your personality? I, I, mean, I worked hard, drive. and I was driven, and all those things. And, right. and like, unlike other people, I, I attributed a hundred percent of my net worth, of my worth as a human, to how much money I had. It was so, the way that I was wired. Right. So that was your when, when I didn't have money, my whole world, I was going to kill myself. That was terrible, right? So, so I went through this. I lost that. I lost all my net worth in the, the dot-com crash. I started another company, I was, I was 38, and I sold that when I was 41 for about $90 million in cash. Three years from inception yeah, to selling it. Four years from when I started to when I sold. And, uh, and then I stayed on another three years, part of a contract, right. but, but it was good business and run properly. You know, that was but, the plastic surgery? Yeah, thing? we built the largest plastic surgery company in the world, so like the, the uh, so at that part looked great. On the other side of that, I was a miserable. Really, you know, I, I told you the other day, and in an environment like that, it's hard to see how bad I was. Yeah, I know because I'm trying to. I don't know. I'm trying to act like it wasn't that bad at the same time that I'm telling the story. But I was a really bad human. I was a, a really bad, and I have a ton of remorse you know, over that whole thing where I was a dishonest, uh, loud, flashy as fuck, like flashy, flashy, uh, lived yeah. so excessively and, and loud and, and I was addicted to everything as a full-on drunk, full-blown drunk. Right. Like you couldn't get more drunk. Uh, as a matter of fact, I had a huge tolerance for it. Yeah. Yeah, so I was a real... If somebody else was drinking that much, they'd be gone. Have you always been like that? That you could do more since, since than Since my 20s, I was like a big drinker. And right. I would recover quick and be ready to go again. Yeah. And maybe you seem like a robust, cast iron, physically robust guy. Cast iron liver guy, that yeah. kind of Irish. It's that Irish. It's that Irish curse, I know. <laughs> it's a curse. I know. Curse and a blessing. It's yeah. curse and a blessing. They yeah. live long, you yeah. know, if they don't kill themselves. They're miserable as fuck, but miserable they Miserable as fuck. Oh, my God. <laughs> Too mean miserable. to die. Yeah. Especially Pennsylvania yeah. Irish. It's fucking, yeah. it's something unto uh, itself. It's God. a unique thing. Uh, oh, yeah. So that's, I mean, the story. And I, I did all that and then got, got a, I was super, super, super depressed that the better yeah. I did, the worse of a human I became. And, and you recognized that at the time? I just knew something was way off. I knew that like, uh, and the, the funny thing is this, you're a really intellectual guy, like mm -hmm. re reflective guy, da, 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 da. I was 
a, a thug. I was like just a fucking guy yeah. who was, I was churning and burning. So I was just, yeah. I was just consuming and creating yeah. and, and like motherfucking. Like but see, the, this, this is what confuses me about you. I was thinking about this when I was listening to your thing with Kyle and then uh, the other day hearing you talk, telling your, your life story. Who, who is it in you that was watching all this? The observer, like, right? Yeah, because, yeah. well, I mean, you don't just go from being a, an absolute prick motherfucker to who you are now. Well, there was a big event in there. There was a big yeah, event. Yeah, but My, still, there has to have been... I feel like there has to have been a cool guy in you Maybe. somewhere watching all this happen, saying, this ah. isn't right, so I'm going to drink, I'm going to destroy myself because I'm an asshole. Who is it that's saying I'm an asshole uh -huh. here? Assholes don't think they're assholes. Well, here's the thing. In 2006, my dad, my dad was very much like me. Hmm. He, was, uh, he was really good at math. He was a great math guy. He was... Uh, well, he started out as a truck driver for the Scranton Times, and he became a professional gambler when he was young. Uh -huh. He was a great math guy. He was a horse guy. He was a great math guy. Mm. And, and he lived a particular way. Like, he had my mother, and then he had girlfriends, and he had f nice cars. He paid for everything in cash, and he, was, he never drank. He was a, a dry drunk, like mm. an Irish, pissed off, right. clean hard he was just this animal yeah and i watched him die in 2006 and he died i'm gonna say this is terrible he died like a bitch he was this tough fucking guy and when he was dying he was crying so much save my soul scared to death like a little boy scared mm. like he beat me my whole life like how i felt all the time i watched him and then i thought in 2006, and I, I had sold, I had already sold uh, this company in 2004, right? Uh, and and I, I looked, I looked at my dad, and I thought, no fucking way. I don't want. I watched that guy die, and I thought, I don't know the answer. I don't know what the fucking answer is, but it sure isn't what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So you know what I did? I did more of it. Like <laughs> rather than change, because I didn't know. I just thought I'll be, but this was nagging me yeah. that this, this, there's more to this life. I watched this guy die, and he was scared shit. He was a tough guy, one of the toughest Irishman ever. Met. Was he a believing Catholic? Absolutely. Oh. You know, but but you know, he's a perfect Catholic. Yeah. He was fucking everything, and then yeah. in church on Sunday, right. and you know, hitting his wife, and but in church on yeah. Sunday, and you know, the guy, right? And, yeah. Um, wingtip wearing you know, right. <laughs> Pennsylvania yeah. Irish. Yeah. You know? He'd like... Yeah, my grandfather was a lot like that. Classy guy. I mean, never really thought there was so much class, right? Yeah. Tough, 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 yeah. tough, tough, right? Yeah, kind of a Tony Soprano vibe. Yeah, yeah. a lot of that in there and in and, and a, a fairly polished way. He was a, an interesting cat. He was a super interesting cat. I think, you know, maybe it's a generational thing also. I, my grandfather, similar to what you're describing with your dad, was a very smart guy who just got, he was just under a boot sole his whole life, you know? And <laughs> yeah. he was just like, fuck all you guys, fuck yeah. everybody. There was this sort of like anger. Yep. At him not being able to be recognized for, for what, he, what he was, yep. you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and I certainly don't mean to minimize anyone else's experience, but you know, you look at like Irish being sort of a, a lower class in yeah. in, the, yeah. in the Northeast. Imagine yeah. what it's like for black people. You I know? can I think about that here. It's and there. incredible. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I don't mean to derail. No, you. not at all. So, no. so your dad was dying. He was terrified, terrified. of of judgment. I guess terrified of, of you know what looking back at his life. Crazy shit. Uh, there was this priest. He was actually uh, uh, not a bishop, a monsignor mm. in the diocese of Scranton. He's this wonderful, wonderful guy, Monsignor John Essef. And and I was I I had flown. I was in Canada. I had flown home to see my dad. My dad called me and said he said. You know, I hate to put you out or anything, but I think I'm dying, and you got to come to the Mercy Hospital. So I flew to Scranton, went to the Mercy Hospital, and uh, I'm like coming off an elevator or getting on an elevator, and I see this guy getting off the elevator, and it's this Monsignor that I knew my whole life. And I said, I said, Monsignor Essex, I fucking need you. And he said, What? I said, My dad, I'm just crying already. I said, My dad's dying. You know, and I didn't know what the fuck to do about this. I said, my dad's dying. Come with me. He wants to see me. And so he came to the elevator, and my dad saw me. He's like, hi. And then he started pleading with this Monsignor. He, goes, he was saying, please save my soul. Save my soul in the scariest way. Mm. Like in the scariest way that you could never, ever, ever forget. Yeah. That the way he was, that my dad who would fight a football team. Like, mm. he wouldn't think fucking twice. He'd right. fucking, he'd punch anyone, yeah. you know? He'd punch anyone. All of a sudden, a little tiny baby crying to this guy to save his soul. And I thought, I just thought to myself then, you're fucked, that I was fucked. I thought, you know what, you're fucked. Was he, your mother around for any of this? Yeah, my mom was super, super, super religious, Catholic. Uh, and she's still around. She still she lives in Pocono Manor in Pennsylvania. Oh. And uh, uh, to get her timeshare? No, no. <laughs> she she comes to see me down here. She oh, wants really? to do the medicine. She's really? eighty five, and she's a hoot. My mother's great. Yeah. Uh, but but like she was. That's she, a Pennsylvania. That's a Pennsylvania. Right? She's yeah. a hoot. <laughs> but she was like beat by him her whole yeah. life and slapped and you know kept in check and like just terrible. Yeah. And the thing I used to hate her because he used to beat me and I used to watch her cry and I would think to myself, why don't you fucking do something? Yeah. You know, as a kid, yeah. you're just like, anybody help me. I don't right. give a fuck who helps me. Someone help me, yeah. right? And and she wouldn't because she was getting beat, but I, I didn't know that. I just knew that I was getting beat, you know? Yeah. You know, crazy shit, right? Crazy life. And uh, so then after that happened, I turned everything up. So I started drinking more. I had more wild sex. Like I had, I was a. Everybody thought I was a sex addict. I don't. I don't think there is really such a thing. Mm. Uh, it's usually an outpicturing of some other shit that's wrong, right? But I mean, I was doing as much cocaine as I could, as much fucking this as I could, as much Demerol. I'm injecting Demerol. I'm fucking drinking. I'm smoking cigarettes like smoking like a chimney. Like I smoked one after another after another. My whole life, since I was a kid, I smoked cigarettes. Mm. And uh, and I just remember feeling so alone. And I'm married with two kids. Right. And I just remember feeling so alone. I felt like, what the fuck am I going to do? What's the matter with me? Da 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 da. And finally. Like, it got so bad that my wife and I really was, like, I had this connection to my first wife that was, I don't know, almost like meant to be. We were together since we were 16 or 17 years old, and and she had finally left. She had finally left the house, maybe a week or two before this blew up. And did she know you, your wife? Not really. 
It no. was more of a mystery man thing. <laughs> like you know, I, really? I had one life and then there's other life, just like my father did, just right. like, you know, this crazy shit. Now she knew um, I wasn't dishonest with her about sleeping with other people, but she didn't know the depth of the craziness or even what I was going through. She, she knew that there was something wrong with me Right, because I would actually, I was just like my dad, I'd slap her, I would mm. keep women in check. We were told women and children get hit. Right. This is how life works. Right. If children speak, you hit them. If women speak, you hit them. This is what I was told by my dad. Right. This is the goods I was given. Like This is yeah. how to go through life. And uh, so this poor lady went through all kinds of hell, my ex-wife. And, uh, you know, but it got to the point where she left. You know, she just had it, she had it, you know? and. Uh, and she left and I was feeling terrible. And then my sons, they, they have a one version of the story, but the way that I remember it is that they saw me with a syringe in my arm. Now they right. say they didn't see the syringe, but they knew I was doing it. Right. I, I remember them seeing the syringe. Right. And I remember that day I said, you know, I fucked myself up so much. I, I can't fuck these kids up. I can't like, there yeah. has to be something. Look at if I, if I die and go to hell, which is what I thought happened to my dad, if this happens to me and I'm going to hell, at least I can spare these fucking kids some, some, a little bit of life. So and, were you a believing Catholic? Yeah, I was. I want to tell you the craziest thing. Yeah. I was in church for the longest time. I was in church two days a week my whole life after, after I got out of school. I'd go, I'd go to Wednesday morning and I'd go to Sunday Mass or Saturday night mass and Wednesday, my whole life. Mm. I was constantly in church, right. uh, constantly going to confession, constantly racking up new sins. Like I was in the, the machine, you know. I Listen, when I got, when I sold one company, I gave the Catholic Church uh, uh, 1.5 million bucks to the priestly formation so that the, they don't molest kids, this, uh -huh. this initiative that the church had at Creighton University. And uh, I went out and did the whole thing and, and, and helped, you know, because I hated that molestation shit, yeah. you know? And uh, so the one thing led to another and I said, okay, I'm gonna check myself into rehab and I went to Passages Malibu and I met this this Dr. Jeff, this guy that, uh, he gets here today. Here. Yeah, I'm gonna try yeah. to do a podcast He's with a him before super, I leave. He's a super interesting yeah. dude, you know? And I met him, and he became like a father to me, even though he's younger than me, yeah. uh, and, and really helped me and got me off the injectable Demerol while I was at uh, Passages. And then, then I got out of Passages, and I hired this guy full-time to be, you know, five days a week, a full-time, I had eight hours a day, five days a week of uh, therapy from him. Mm. And then I went to Michael Beckwith's Agape, right. and I thought that guy was full of shit. I said, this guy's fucking full of shit. You know, he doesn't even know. First off, God's white. <laughs> like the whole thing, I was like, this is all wrong. God's but, white. But I kept coming yeah. back. I kept yeah. coming back and coming back. See, that's why I said it earlier. Like there was someone inside you who was watching this whole thing go down. I, yeah, I, have I to believe, believe. There, there was probably some spark. Because I've there. known some assholes and, and the, the the sort of defining characteristic of an asshole is that they don't know they're assholes. Yeah, but I think while I was doing it, I didn't know. There, yeah. I, I really didn't know I, until my dad started Then why dying. keep going to church? Why confess? Why I, not just say, oh, this was, is all bullshit? I was scared. I thought, fuck, you know, I'm gonna, I love to fuck. 
I love to make money. I love to do cocaine. I love all this shit. I better go get some better, kind of... <laughs> better get some, do some penance. So something, some, redeem, yeah. some redemption somewhere, yeah, right? I do yeah. something. And, uh, and I wasn't smart. Like, the thing is, this is that, you know, I was in a world, I was dealing, like, in all the businesses I've ever owned, uh, honestly, 90% of the guys I dealt with were older Jews. Fucking smart guys. Yeah. And I'm this fucking dumb fucking Irish Italian. Like, so you know? so yeah. to what do you attribute the success? I mean, drive isn't enough. Desperation yeah, you isn't know, enough. I wasn't so dumb that it was a hindrance. Yeah. And I was worked hard. Yeah. You know, so like I, I managed the way through and I and I did learn. I was a guy who learned. I mm. learned what to do and what not to do. And and so the, the crazy thing is that when I got out of this whole thing, I met this back with and I thought he's fucking nuts. I thought this guy's nuts. He's the devil. And uh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. But I can't stop listening to this guy. So I kept going. I got out of passages and I said, I have to stay in. LA and somebody said why and I said because I want to go to this guy's church to Beckwith's church and and then I finally got to meet him and it turns out hey, he's an amazing one of the most brilliant guys I ever met not money motivated mm. I thought he's a, he's a he's a black Billy Graham for the devil mm. is what I thought you know and and he's this real brilliant honest like this guy's brilliant. This guy's knowledge that I could never imagine having. And he, he liked me too and he gave me one of his reverends uh, two days a week. Her name's uh, Kathleen McNamara. Irish from Pennsylvania too. Not a word. Can't go. She so, knows your bullshit. <laughs> exactly. So I got her two days a week. I had Jeff five days a week. And this goes on five or six years. Honestly, this yeah. was my life. I, what I do, I'd have them during the day. I'd go out, get drunk at night and fucking create problems. And then wonder, and all day the next day I talk about why I can't stop drinking. This this would be, poor Jeff, I swear to God, if there was ever a guy who was going to commit suicide, it was him because he can't hear the same fucking story. He'll kill you first, though. Exactly. You know what I mean? How, you know how boring? Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah. after he heard the story, let's say 900th time, he'd still act somewhat concerned and like shocked at the punchline, mm. you know? It was amazing. He so why didn't you quit? Guy. I mean, you must have been tempted to quit that, to fire him and just Yeah, there was something times. in me that, that I honestly thought that, that if I kept doing it, some result would change. Even though it looked the same, I thought if I kept telling him that, and here's the crazy thing. I used to say to him, am I crazy? Am I crazy? Am I like, do I have a fucking access to disorder? Mm. And he'd be like, no. And I'd say, well, what the fuck do I have? And he goes, you have attachment disorder. Mm. And I'd be like, but wasn't I, something happened to me as a kid. And he'd say to me, not that I found. And I thought, fuck, something's wrong. Because nobody can get this fucked up on their own. Like, there had to be more to the story. And so... You know, this went on and on and on, and finally, six years into it, and I said, y you know what, I stopped doing Demerol, but I stopped doing that six years ago, and I didn't get, I haven't gotten any better. I still can't be with one woman. I still, uh, I'm a lot better. I can be with one at a time, which was a new thing. That was a whole new... <laughs> That's an improvement. It was, it was a step up. So this is where I got better. I could do one at a time, right. and I didn't inject myself with liquid heroin. Right. So, but you're still drinking and like doing other fish. shit. Yeah. And still... And the Coke. And the Coke, and, and not only that, but the, the 
loudness of character. Like I couldn't go anywhere and not and just be like this. Right. I'd have to go and be some extra thing. So is there like a narcissistic like quality to it? Like a whole narcissistic it? quality to it, yeah. right? And then uh, and in in the fights, I was in fist fights all the fucking time. Like really, even at this oh point. Oh my god, Jeff was my bodyguard. He'll tell you he's my bodyguard more than anything. And he didn't like to fight. He's a big goon. He didn't like to fight. I'd this be, is Jeff, your therapist. Yeah, I'd be out and and I'd be mixing it up. Like uh, he'll tell you, there's a I have a world record. I I went to this place, Guys and Dolls, with him and uh, Carter Lay from the Potato Chip Company and his girlfriend and my son, I walked into a place and in under a minute and a half, I got in a fist fight with someone I never met before. In a minute and a <laughs> Is half. Is this a strip club? No, it's yeah. a, just one of those like Hollywood clubs, yeah. you know, a cocktail place. What, what was it? Were you just somebody, I ordered a drink triggered? and somebody looked at me yeah. and I thought, oh, they're fucking with me. Uh-huh. And then I swung at this guy and then, then the right. nine people piled on us. Right. We all got kicked out. And they talk about this shit all the time. This is, yeah. a, this is how it was. I couldn't, uh, every, everything that I would be doing, you would, like, I would feel that I offended you and it would piss me off. Mm. And then I'd go into this rage, right? Because you're a bad guy. You're, I'm a, you're fulfilling good. all this shit that your father was dumping Absolutely, in you. Yeah. like, kind of shit, right? Yeah. And so I finally got to the end of my rope and I went to, I, I, the, the thing is this, is that I tried to kill myself twice before I ever went to passages. And uh, fortunately, I'm not good at it. And, and really, it was killing myself, but not killing myself. Gestures. So, yeah, like I, I, I injected enough Demerol to kill someone else, but not me. <laughs> a normal person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. That was my attempt where I yeah. said, and then the next time I did more. Yeah. And... and I was a resilient guy, I was just a resilient guy. I rolled out of it and, you know, I shit myself and stuff. Like I defecated myself, but yeah. I didn't die. Yeah. So I'm sitting there with shit pants, like, holy fuck, I can't, I'm not even good enough to kill myself. I can't even kill myself, right? Is what is the thoughts, right? And this is at a time, and this is nowhere to lie, I think I had, I don't know, $55 million in cash, in cash. Not not in the preface, but I mean in liquid money. Right. I uh, was living the dream. This is was two beautiful kids, a great wife. Like, and and I tell you what, I hated myself. Yeah. And I mean, really, a hate that you can't put into words. A real hate. So you hung out. I imagine I I, I have some friends who are you know high net worth individuals, as yeah. they say, living on yachts and you know yeah. that kind of life. And uh, so I spent some time in those circles and. Uh, you know, I, those people tend to hang out with each other. Yeah, you know, like, tend to. You know, you want to do things that, you know, normal people can't afford. Like, right. hey, let's all fly to Fiji yeah, tomorrow. Absolutely. And yeah. like, yeah, sorry, that buddy. Yeah. Um, do you find that, was was there, were there similarities? Uh, did you recognize in other people nah. some of the same qualities you, you know, were dealing with? Because I tell you, this is the truth. Like, I was, I was the guy that really didn't belong in that group. Oh, really? Most of them were like Harvard MBAs. Right. and family and, money. Yeah, family money, second, right. third, fourth generation money. Yeah. And they would look at me like, oh, he's so much fun. But they didn't like me either. Right. So, so the thing is, I never really fit anywhere. Right. I couldn't find a place. So you didn't really fit. have any community. I had none. I yeah. never had community. I never had community, ever. Right. And, uh, and so, you know, when I got to the end of this, and I was like, 
I've been in, I've tried everything. Six years or five years of, of full-on therapy, full-on. And when I went at something, I went at it. Like, I really went at it. Yeah. Uh, that didn't work, and all this shit didn't work, and I needed to take a vacation just to get away from it. And I figured, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go over there, and I'm going to drink like fuck to the Philippines. I'm just oh, going right. to drink and fucking drink and drink. And uh, I got in a fight with this Filipino girlfriend I had, and I wound up going alone, and I, I this is the truth, I put this thing on Facebook, because I wound up in a couple's resort in Boracay, and like... Alone. Alone, Yeah. you know? here's here, I can't go a day without fucking three girls, and I'm alone in <laughs> the Philippines, right? And... Uh, at a couple's resort. You know, like, it's just crazy. Stumbled into the wrong place, the, yeah. You know, and yeah. it was a beautiful place, and I was alone, 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 yeah. and, and I put on Facebook that you know, something that this sucks, that my life sucked or something. And this woman who was a, a shaman from, from Brooklyn, and she's a beautiful woman, uh, and, and she had done some work at Passages, uh, like healing stuff and stuff. She saw that I was there. She saw my Facebook, and she had just so happened to be running a, a no-speak retreat in Cebu, like with a three-day gap from when I was in. She said, mm. hey, see you're alone. I see you're complaining. Do you mind if I stop in on you and, and just like be with you for a couple of days? And this lady always liked me. I don't think romantically, just really liked me. And uh, Why? Because I was the kind of guy that, that once I fucking started getting like really crazy, people wanted to help me. Because it looked like, you know, when a guppy's out of fucking water, I look like this this thing that's just needed to be helped, hmm. right? So she came and she stayed with me and she told me that that her friend, she had a friend who was just like me, who had the same problems, couldn't connect with women. Uh, you know, the flip side of not connecting with women is connecting with all women, but yeah. really not being able to connect with women. Right. Couldn't stop drinking, couldn't do this, couldn't do that, couldn't do this. And, and she goes, he went to... This guy went to Costa Rica and did this plant medicine and, and came back a week later and he was a different guy. And I thought, well, fuck, I've tried everything. I really have. I've tried everything. And I can't... The, the, my memory doesn't like remember just how desperate I was. I can't convey to you yeah. the desperation that I had in me. Yeah. So I said, fuck it, I'll go down. And I went down and I did this medicine. And... You know, I want to go into the whole story for you because it's not the, the thing, but I do the medicine. I go to the moon. This is Ibogaine we're talking I, about. Iboga. Iboga. Uh, actually, the, the TA, the total alkaloid, the uh -huh. extract. Uh -huh. And uh, so not the root bark, although I, I took some root bark, but I took the extract as well. Right. And uh, I fly to the moon, and the moon starts answering these questions for me, typing questions, and just answered what happened to me? I said, why am I such an asshole? That was my first question. And the moon said she couldn't answer it until I went and got my soul. I went and got my soul, and my soul's like, um, I think, can you hear that? Yeah. Is that okay? Sure, what was it? Uh, just a, somebody started a machine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that okay. doesn't matter. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I, went I thought got, it was an iguana or something. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I went and got my soul, and my soul took me back to the house in Scranton where my grandfather was, and I actually watched me getting sexually molested by my grandfather at three years old. And I thought to myself, I thought, that's fucking great news, because that explained everything to me. 
right. that 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 it explained why I was the way that I was, and and it just made me feel so much better. And then it answered the rest of my questions and it explained that that all people separate from their soul, and that 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 they're built that way. They're designed. People are designed to separate from their soul, and and then to go on with life. And then later in life to remember and want to be reconnected. Find their way back. And it was this whole process that it showed me. And this is the truth of the truth is that two months later I bought this place. And I said, this is it. Because what it did for me, I went home from there and I was a completely different guy. And when I say a different guy, and I'll give you an idea from then, that, that I didn't want to have things anymore. I didn't want houses and cars and da 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 it's taken me to now but I've liquidated everything that I have I don't have anything yeah I heard at dinner last night you mentioned you sold your house my in house Malibu. in Malibu which was something that I really loved and uh, I sold my 73 XKE was the, the only thing that I the only car that I ever had an affection for XKE what's that uh, Jaguar a oh. 73 Jag the oh. beautiful car is that I, the 12 cylinder yeah the 12 cylinder James Bond yeah kind of that thing. one yeah I sold that. I sold my Rolls Royce. I sold everything. I don't own a car in the United States. Uh, I have a 13-year-old car here. Uh, I live in a hotel room, you know. And this is you live here, right here. Is my, this is a, a nice place. Real but it, nice. It's hardly millionaire. Yeah, or palatial. It's, a, it's, a hotel, it's just right? like everyone else's it's room. Like everybody much. else's room. Yeah. And and the thing is, even in that, that identity is still dying like this this thing of being something your whole life and I, I think like all people do it like some people become the intellectual and they their whole stock and trade in themselves is that they're smarter than everybody right, right? and right. this is they have a better view of it they have a da 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 you never finished high school no right and no. yet the other day you were in your talk you were talking about how you felt that you were smarter than everybody yeah I did for you had the a chip on your shoulder yeah and yeah. it was because, look, I made more money than all you dumbasses. Yes, that you was know, here's the proof. Right. Yeah. 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 Not, not it had no basis in reality. It wasn't. Well, it I was mean, money's a, the way we measure. Some, uh, some. You if know? you're so smart, how come you don't have any money? You know? Yeah, that, that, can ha- that can happen. But yeah. also, we all know brilliant people that can't make a living, can't, can't keep an apartment. Brilliant yeah. people. Yeah, I always so. say you, you can't lose the game if you refuse to play. That's <laughs> like my that. strategy. I love that. I think it's a great idea. Uh, you know, but that that thing when 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 the moon explained to me, and I know that this sounds crazy, right? So so the thing is this is that after I paid my taxes and sold my business, got my divorce, paid my wife of seventeen years plus ten years dating, twenty seven years, mm. paid her out. Right, and she took it was Pennsylvania, and she took sixty-eight percent of everything I had. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. And so I, I own money. So what I did is I bought this place and I bought a house. That's it. And then I had to sell the house to feed this place. Mm. So technically, I'm broke again. I'm really broke again. Broke again. Yeah. And 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 the thing was is that this moon, which is crazy to even say this, that but the moon explained that 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 this thing that happened to me happens to everybody and they need a place like this where they can go and reconnect with their soul hmm. and, and get away from their false shit their, yeah. 
I'm a mechanic, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm a fucking Indian chief, I'm a whatever. I'm and young, get away I'm from, old, I'm beautiful, I'm young, I'm, I'm old, ugly. I'm pretty, I'm ugly, I'm broke, yeah. I'm rich. Yeah. Get away from all that shit yeah. and just really come back into themselves and yeah. then to, to reunite with themselves and then to go on in life as a different thing. And, and I'm going to tell you, with me it was so simple because my life was so fucked up before that the contrast was like, you know, people that know me now can't even believe that I'm the same guy. Yeah. It's that different. It's that kind of a... Do you ha- are there a lot of people in your life that have carried over from the old there's, world? There's I some. mean, your, your family, yeah, your there's kids. Some, my family, my kids, but there's... Uh, What's your ex-wife think of you these days? She doesn't even know me. She won't even talk to me. Really? No. Uh, she thinks this is bullshit? No, but I really, I really, if I ever told you the things I did to this woman, like there's just no... she doesn't forgive. She just, it's too much. And then she's happy for me. She tells people she's happy for me. She believes it. She doesn't want any part of it. Right. So... uh, Fair enough. And she's happy for her kids that this happened to me. And your relationship with the kids is Closer than any father and son I've ever known. They live with me when I'm in Malibu. They lived with me. Uh, they actually, strangely enough, they picked me uh, when it, they could have lived with their mother or whatever. This is years down the road after the divorce, but they ended up moving in with me and being with me uh, because I had such a substantial change. There was such a change in me, and it was so easy to see because I was so bad. Mm-hmm. It was so simple to see that that you know he wasn't uh, who he was anymore. How and old so, are they now? Twenty. Six and twenty-three. Oh. You know, one's a mechanic and one's in the music business. Right. Yeah, and uh, cool. they're super kids, super super kids. Uh, they just they're getting their own places now in California because my house is oh. getting close to there. <laughs> Sorry guys, <laughs> like Sold the, the house. Over. <laughs> the party's over. Yeah, but uh, they're great, great, great kids. Like, and everybody who meets me tells me, you know, how what what good solid kids they are. You know. Yeah. They both do medicine, so. Uh, when we talk about medicine, we're talking about ayahuasca. Ayahuasca, yeah, and they yeah. like it. You know, they they yeah. like it. You know. So let's talk about this place. I yes. mean, you know, this here where you've arrived after that long and winding road that yeah. you've been on. So we're we're here in Costa Rica. What's the town? Uh, Liberia. Yeah, we're right? close to Liberia. We're an hour away from Liberia. Yeah. yeah. And uh, how, how many acres? Sixteen acres. Sixteen acres of. Yeah. Beautiful sort of jungle green flowers, jungle. <laughs> green. It's just gorgeous here, yeah. and so the whole place is set up to to be a safe, medically supervised, the only medically licensed ayahuasca center in the world. In the as world. I understand yeah. it, yeah. 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 So you decided you weren't just going to do a sort of pirate operation in the jungle yeah. somewhere where it's sort of tolerated. You decided you were going to go to the government and get a license yep. and. As an investor, that's the smart move. You yeah, don't want to sink right your life savings yeah. into something that can disappear yeah. in a minute. Well, right? we actually started out without a license and were shut down uh, for doing... We started out doing some iboga, uh-huh. and we got shut down by the government, and then I applied for the license, and we had to get a medical license, so we're a licensed addiction center. We're a licensed general health center, uh, and we have... In one of our licenses, we are allowed to do ayahuasca as a therapy, right. and it's the only one in the world that we know of that that has has this license. Right. And what what's super amazing is I took I took all the things that happened in those six years. So, you know, I learned a little bit about yoga. I learned a little bit about 
like food and how to eat and and mm. and the Michael Beckwith classes and and I put it all into one place where where in one week you're put on this program where you get you know all these journeys plus classes plus food plus yoga mm -hmm. uh, and therapy and then group therapy and 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 then uh, integration four or five times then then the transformational breath work all this stuff in right. one week and you come out and it's the truth when I when I tell you this that on a self-reported basis about nine out of ten people say they had a life-changing miracle while they were here right that their life is forever changed and and they report that I can't screw with the number it's an auditable number right that that they get a an email when they go and then it has a survey and they report this so yeah. so about 91 and a half out of a hundred like yeah. are saying I looked at some testimonials online crazy. and there's some funny <laughs> ones I saw one this morning that was really cool it says it was a testimonial from a guy whose girlfriend came down here and he stayed home. Is that right? Yeah. Right? And he was like, look, I've never been to this place. I don't know. All I know is my girlfriend went down there and she came back and she's a totally different person. <laughs> and that. our relationship is fantastic. <laughs> and I'm so happy. Oh, that's great. So it's a testimonial from someone who ne who's never been I here. I love that. Yeah, I want to yeah, remember that. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty cool. Uh, I'll tell you something I appreciate about this place. Um, you know, I, I sort of, I've spent, as I mentioned to you, I've, been in this sort of world of alternative medicine and altered yeah. states and all that stuff for most of my life. And um, one thing I really appreciate about this place is you're in this sweet spot where there's a reverence for what you're doing and uh, deep respect for the healing potential. And even if you don't have an addiction issue or, right, right. or you're, yeah. you know, maybe you're in a good place in your life. Yeah. Hopefully you are. And you can still come here and have these amazing experiences. Absolutely. But there isn't a lot of like, hocus pocus namaste mumbo right. jumbo right so you know i personally i find a lot of that off-putting i don't want I people know. telling me what to believe and I that agree. jesus loves me and you know whatever like i want to be respectful and and i want to have a, a degree of reverence i just don't want it defined for me I'm you know you. And I think you guys do that really well. We try it's, not to be on any particular, yeah. you know, no religious affiliation But whatsoever. there is a feeling there's that there's something spirit, really important there's happening. There's absolutely spirit yeah. where, you know, all yeah. of this stuff is spirit-based. Right. But, you know, there's so much, especially if you take a guy from Sandusky, Ohio, and you throw him into some kind of uh, Indian ceremony in Peru, right. he's going to go... Yeah. He's not going to go shit or go sailing. He's yeah. going to be, well, what the fuck is going on here, right? And yeah. and it's too much. Yeah. So what we try to do is, is uh, you know, the medicine providers that we have are we're trained from most of them are in the Colombian or Peruvian tradition. Right. But it's a little bit sanitized and, and right. easier to to take in and to digest for someone you know 90% of the people that come here have never done medicine before uh, right. never done medicine before so they're yoga people right. they've done some meditation da, da, da. so this is a whole new yeah. thing and, and I'm going to tell you we we really feel super strongly and, and I've we've had people that have done medicine 600 times and 500 times and they've come here and gone through our program and had a result for their first time. Because you can drink a shit ton of medicine and be the same asshole 
you've always been. Mm. You really can. You can drink medicine all the time, and especially if you have um, a chip on your shoulder that you're smarter than everything. Yeah. Because the medicine will then will feed right into that, right. and they'll show you even things that are even more in depth, and now you'll think you're really much smarter than people. Right. So it can have the opposite effect. Right. If you don't ask the medicine to unmask you, right. There's no benefit to it because, right. as a matter of fact, it has it can work the other way. That's why a lot of these shaman are in these shaman wars, sending dark energy to other shaman. They're fucking each other. Yeah, uh, you know, in this most holy of 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 methods to fuck each other. Yeah, they're fucking each other because they're they're who's who's brighter, who's darker. Who's this? Who's that? And the listen, same competitive bullshit. Same competitive yeah. shit. And that that yeah. medicine has no top and no bottom. So you can go as deep as you want down. Right. You can go as high as you want up. You can go in any direction you want. And it has to honor your intention. Right. So the only people that have... If somebody ever tells me they had a bad trip, I say, oh, great. The person's honest. Mm. Because they ask the right question. Right. Like, show me... Unmask me. Right. Show me who I am. Right. Show me the truth about me. That's the right question because you can sit there and say, "Look, show me how to build a, a hydrogen bomb," and it will. Yeah. And it'll show you how to do it quick and right and da da. Like this is something. You know, show me why I'm a great guy. Well, fuck! It'll show you all night. It'll show you unicorns and how wonderful you are <laughs> and how you're much more than a, like it'll do whatever you yeah. want it to do. Yeah. But but this medicine done in the proper setting and in and with the right intentionality is a life-changing event it's something you only have to do once you don't have to come once and do it once you don't have to you know i i see guys when guys are telling me they've done medicine 500 times and shit like that there's there's more to that story like that that yeah. that you know the, the idea is to take those gifts and bring them here yeah. and put them into your life so right. that you can have connection and you can right. have this thing, and I tell you what I've noticed more than anything, is that is that when you see someone who's seen it, that the wise guy comes off them. All of a sudden, that chip comes down, yeah. and then all of a sudden, and and you know what the the, the greatest gift is to them that it's not there. Yeah. That all of a sudden they're in life. They can be naked, and then they can help. Yeah. Here's the craziest thing. Everybody says they want to help. So like, especially intellectual guys, like, well, what are you doing for humanity? And what are you doing? And what are you doing? The best fucking thing anybody can do is get back to themselves. Yeah. And then from there, just see shit just unfolds. You, you just end up, you know, doing the kind of work that you do. Or you mm -hmm. just end up doing things for other people. Or you just yeah. end up in some charitable thing you end up in the right places because right. it feels right because it's it, all of a sudden it is right to you it's yeah. what's natural yeah. as opposed to you know when i when i would uh there's a country club that i belong to in 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 the states and that that when i used to go there and i would hear these guys mar -a logo no 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 <laughs> one in pennsylvania sh <laughs> shitty one but but it was big for you know it was our yeah. it's the same people any country club right yeah, they're all the same, same guy people. same khakis, same green pants same shirt yeah. same everything right <laughs> and same investment banking job yeah. but but when they would be talking about their charitable works and and it was just such superficial fucking bullshit shit yeah. and and when you nothing against any group of people that's not what i'm saying but when you hear that, 
versus when you're talking to somebody who's really in it. Like, they don't talk about it. They're in it. Right. They're in it and they're doing it and they're looking for answers. And, you know, if they are talking about it, they're talking about it in a way of, of really, how can we make this better? What's the, not just, uh, you know, I would be around these guys that would, would talk about the machine and how bad the machine is and yet they're a part of it, right? Yeah. And that has one, I guess, maybe great for awareness. But when you're on the other side of that and you're talking about it only to figure a solution, like to really not be a part of it, to, to from the inside out to say, okay, you know, well, if we disconnect this from this, what happens to those people? Like what, and, and from that side, all, all this, all this stuff, all the answers are from that side. It, it's never from the side of, of, you know, you know, having a, 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 a dinner for the Red right. Cross. That's not fucking the idea. Right. <laughs> do you think, you know, talking about the country club and, and, and again, I don't, I don't want to pull you into bad mouthing no. anyone, no. but do you think, so I'll back up a little bit. I'm, I'm writing this book now and, and there's a section in the book about wealth and, uh-huh. and economic inequality. Yeah. And it, I sort of facetiously called this section uh, RAS, which is Rich Asshole Syndrome. But my argument is, you know, most people would say you only get rich if you have certain personality characteristics of an asshole. You're willing to lie to people. You're willing to, to do a dirty deal. You're willing to backstab someone. That's how you get rich by being willing to cut the corners that other like more decent people wouldn't be willing to do. Uh-huh. And I'm sure there's some of that depending on the path, yes, you know, maybe in investment banking or whatever. Um, but what I'm, what I'm talking about in the book is how hard it is psychologically to be rich oh, because, you know, and, and I don't know where you were in your head when you were in that position, but you know, I, the way I write about it in the book is the first time I went to India and, you know, I grew up middle class, comfortable, but, you know, not far from right. private jets and yeah. shit, right? Um, but then I went to India the first time, and I remember sitting in this restaurant, and I was eating by myself, and there were little little kids just outside, like I was on a terrace, and they were just on the other side of the, the rail, five feet away from me, staring at my food. Uh-huh. Just staring yeah. at it. And it wasn't... And I remember just looking at them and, and they weren't looking at me like, yeah. hey, dude, can we have some? They were just like, look at that food. Oh, my I God. Know. Look at that food. I know. And I remember thinking, like, they're not playing a game with no, me. This is God. no junkie like, no. hey, man, can I have a dollar, you know, that he's going to yeah. go. There was no excuse I could make to separate myself from the tragedy of the situation I, I was in. And yet there was also like, I have to eat. Yeah. I'm a traveler. This isn't my country. If yep. Indian people aren't helping them, how come it's my job? What And how could I help oh, them man. anyway? And at one point, I took a bunch of pakoras out to the street, and then suddenly there are 50 kids. And then it's like adults holding their hands out. And then I'm like, uh, this is impossible. And I just it got I into the psychological crisis. And that led me to think about, you know, what's it like to have $5 million in New York? Right. You're walking down the street, and you see a woman with a child holding her hand out, and you're like, wow, I could afford to just totally change her life. Right. But then, 
How many more are there? How many more are there? Where's and the would end? it really help? Right. Or, or would I just be perpetuating? You get into the same things sure, I was dealing line, with. Yeah. And so you build up this scar tissue. And there's psychological research showing that the more wealth someone has, the less adept they are at reading the facial expressions of other I, I, people. I, I, Have you yeah. read about that? I've heard about it, yeah. I mean, it's a yeah. really strange thing. Yeah. So I think we adapt ourselves uh-huh. to this unnatural situation because we didn't evolve with wealthy and poor people. This idea that the, there's always been a poor, and right. that's bullshit. That's right. from agriculture, which is you know yesterday yep. in evolutionary terms. And in fact, the, the sort of leaders among hunter-gatherer people if you can tell who the leader is, it's they have the least because oh, they're the ones who give the most away. Right. They're the most admired because huh. they give everything away. They love giving shit away. Huh. They love helping other people. So people admire them, people respect them, and they end up rising to positions of some sort of leadership huh. just because everybody fucking loves them. You right. know? That's how it works. Oh, interesting. And so yeah. our thing is all backwards where you're grabbing leadership and you're grabbing uh-huh. and you, you know, I want more than you. It's all fucking inhuman. You know, basically uh-huh. it is inhuman if you so look at our species. So do you believe in capitalism? See, I, I think capitalism is, first of all, what are we calling capitalism? The United States calls itself capitalist, no, but we've, gonna, but you know, we have socialism for rich form. people and socialism for corporations. I agree with that. I yeah. don't believe that corporations deserve the rights of living things, mm-hmm. which they have. Yeah. Uh, you know, this... But do you believe in socialism? I believe the problem with social, and again, we have to define terms, right? Uh But I think the the basic idea of a community that pools its resources to take care of everyone at some like minimal, decent level is deeply human. I believe that too. Yeah. Yeah. So how we do that is there are lots of questions around that. But once, what's crazy with that model? is that once you deviate from that model a little bit, it gets fucked up. And then all of a sudden, a pure capitalism model, a pure capitalism model, tends to work. It's, it's crazy. So, well, work. What's it mean to work? Well, what does it mean to work? So the thing yeah. is like... Pure uh, capitalism, like 19th century England, right? Yeah. In yeah, the industrial age. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. you got kids sticking their hands I, I, in machines and it rips their I hand agree. off. And it's like, sorry, so, kid, you're fired. I know. You know, it turns so, into Dickinsonian it, nightmare. It does. Uh, and so does the other side of that as well. So, like, yeah. it's, it's so crazy. So I really believe, like, if something were to say, what, what does the medicine look like? Well, the medicine looks like communism. When you, when you take in their community is what the medicine looks like. Right. So when you right. really look at the medicine, what you just said, the pooling of resources, the balancing of benefits, like that's, that's really, in the, and if you're really going to ask the medicine, show me what love looks like. It looks like that. Right. It does. Yeah, yeah. so when you ask yeah. me if I believe in socialism or this and that, yeah. the, question, the thing is scale. Scale is uh-huh. so important, right? Because, do you know about Dunbar's number? I, 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 it, the name's familiar, but I, I don't know. So Robin Dunbar is a biologist at Cambridge, I think. Okay. And he, uh, or maybe he's a primatologist, um, but he looked at um, the neocortex of different primates. Uh-huh. And he discovered that there's a, my mic's rubbing on my <laughs> shirt here. I can, I can hear it really loudly. Um, 
uh, he discovered that uh, there's a correlation between the size of the neocortex uh, of a primate and how many members in the social group. Really? Right. So, uh, you know, he looks at lemurs and he uh, says, okay, let's see, based on my, you know, formula, a lemur's uh, neocortex is this size, you know, compared to its body and all that. So uh -huh. there should be, you know, 17 roughly members in a and social group. Social. And then he looks and it turns out right. Wow. And uh, so he figured out this sort of this correlation. Uh, and he said for humans, it should be about 150. And then from that, you go back and you look at hunter-gatherer groups and you find that when the environment provides enough resources to support however many people you need, they get to about 150 and then they tend to split. Not necessarily uh -huh. acrimoniously, but they uh -huh. just naturally tend to split. Uh -huh. And then you look at people on social media, Facebook and all this, you find that, okay, you might have 7,000 Facebook friends, but you only interact with about 150 of them. Interesting. Right. Yeah. So our capacity to hold someone in our head as a human being, where we know who they are, we know what's going on in their lives or whatever, is about 150. Wow. So... I think that we are, as a species, deeply egalitarian. If you look at our evolutionary past, our ancestors were, they're called, anthropologists refer to them as fiercely egalitarian. Huh. So they're not just, we share, it's like, if you don't share, we'll fuck you up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the yeah. worst thing you can do in a hunter-gatherer group is it's like, you, you killed a monkey and you're not bringing it back and sharing it. Yeah, <laughs> it. hoarding, right. Yeah. Uh, which is what? Accumulating resources, which, which is, is what capitalism is all about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and in fact, Darwin wrote about it. He I found understand. it very frustrating. He was, you know, he was a very humanitarian guy, uh -huh. but um, he was like, you know, I, uh, paraphrasing, but he said something like, I despair of progress. He was talking about the, the native people of Patagonia, the Fugians. Um, because he said, if you give one of them a, a, a yard of cloth, they'll tear it into strips so that everybody has this equal amount. Wow. You give a cigarette, they'll break it into little pieces so everyone has a tiny little stub of a cigarette. Wow. No one will keep anything so they can't accumulate resources, they can't like, go down uh -huh. the road of capitalism. Uh -huh. And it's the same with leadership. Nobody will rise above the others. No one can tell anyone what to do because they're so individualistic, they do it by consensus or they don't do it. Wow. Um, anyway, so the thing about hunter-gatherers is you have this, this absolute egalitarianism, so there's no poverty and there's no wealth, or there's universal wealth, right. we could say, because there's no poverty. And that works when you know each other. Because if you killed a monkey and you didn't bring it back and share it with everyone or you kept the best part for yourself, we all notice that. Uh -huh. And we're going to talk about that. Uh -huh. And if you keep doing that shit, then we'll start making fun of you. And this has all been studied by anthropologists. The, the mechanisms to preserve these relationships, ridicule is a big one. Really? So we'll start joking uh -huh. about, oh, yeah, hey, do you notice Jerry had a really good dinner last night? <laughs> You know, hey, Jerry's a big hunter. Hey, Jerry. And they even, like, I remember reading this account where an anthropologist was with a tribe in Africa, I think. And, uh, you know, one of the guys who's, like, one of the best hunters. So here's another great thing. They, they were hunting impalas, I think. They all share arrows. 
So like you make your arrows, I make my arrows, and we each have a different style and all that, but then we share arrows. So when somebody brings the Impala back to the village, nobody knows who killed it. Interesting. So you can't possibly start getting a big ego. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so to get back to your question, I feel like we are deeply socialistic as a species. Uh, and there's also research, Franz Duvall has done all this amazing research about the, ju- the impulse toward justice in primates. Um, but it only works within Dunbar's number. When the society grows so big that, you know, Joseph Stalin doesn't know, you know, there are 150 million people. Right. He knows 150 of them. Right. He takes care of them. He's cool with his, with his pals. Right. But other people are just abstractions. Uh-huh. So then we can say, well, sorry, Ukraine, you know, you guys are going to uh-huh. starve because we're going to shift that food over here and fuck you right. and fuck you because I there's no reputational damage. I get that. I so understand that, actually. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Because now I understand. So communism is the, the mistaken application of something that actually works in small groups on a large scale and it doesn't work on a large scale. Huh. That is super, super interesting. Yeah. That explains a lot of shit. Right. That one little thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's a decent impulse. Yeah. It's a good idea. It just doesn't work for <laughs> millions of people. That's my feeling. No, about I, it anyway. I get that, actually. I actually get that. Oh, uh, shit. What was I? There was, there was something I was just talking about I was going to jump into. I can't remember. I lost my train of thought. Um, fuck, it'll come back. What was I talking about? Before Stalin... The monkey thing. Oh, the oh, the justice. Yeah, this oh, is, you'll, the, you'll the love this. For justice, yeah. So for friends of all, who's been on this podcast, he's uh-huh. a great Dutch primatologist, wonderful guy. Uh, he um, he and one of his grad students did this thing where they they had, I think they were lemurs. Um, so they have these these monkeys. And they, they give them, they have beads, and they have like a, a different, a box of beads. And if the lemurs, when the lemurs get a green bead, they know that they can trade the bead for a piece of food. Uh-huh. It's a little piece of cucumber. Uh-huh. So they learn this, and then they're like, you know, they push this lever, and when they get a green one, they're like, oh, and a cucumber, <laughs> and they love it. So it's all about, like, they work. It's work, yeah. right? And this experiment doesn't work if you're just handing them cucumber. They have to work for it. So they're working for it. And that's cool. They love it. And then he start, and they're in cages where they can see each other, right? And they're both doing it. And then they'll start, one of them, when it gives the green bead, it gets a grape instead of the cucumber. Uh-huh. The other one's still getting a cucumber, right? They like grapes better <laughs> than cucumbers. So the one who's getting the cucumber, he gives this thing, he gets the cucumber, but then he sees the other one's getting a grape, and he does it again, and he gets a cucumber again, and then like the third or fourth time, he's like, hey, fuck you, and he throws the cucumber <laughs> back at the experimenter. Like, I don't give a shit. So he used to love the cucumber, but now that he sees that this guy's getting a grape, How crazy he's like, fuck this experiment, man, I want a grape. So there's this innate sense of justice. Wow. You know? Huh. It's and it goes deeper than humanity. It goes way millions and millions of years back. That's funny though. Isn't that yeah, funny? Yeah, yeah. And, and that, it's, it's online. You can see online? the video. It's hilarious. You huh. see the, the the monkey and he's just like another fucking cucumber. <laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs> That's great. That's great. That's great. So 
Uh, okay, so here we are. This is this. This I imagine is a self-sustaining business. You're at least you're hoping it's still getting off. I hope off the someday, ground. someday, <laughs> someday, and this is the truth yeah. that uh, a year ago I was losing about four hundred thousand dollars a month. I'm a losing month? About a month. I'm losing about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a month now on it. And, uh, so it's, you're burning through some capital. Burning through capital. Yeah. But I know that at some point it'll be self-sufficient and we're not looking. This isn't going to be like uh, all my other businesses. The objective was to have a capital event and to make money. And that is not, that's so not on the cards. Like the more medicine that I did and the more that I went into like seeing what matters and what like... Uh, the scariest thing to me was that that I recorded my grandfather molesting me, and then it became apparent to me that hey, wait, all this shit is recorded. Everything I've ever done is there's this. Oh, you mean recorded in your brain? Yeah, yeah. There's this, and it's it's even beyond that because when I journey with other people, I can see what's recorded for them. Like, and all of a sudden, you start thinking, holy fuck, some of this bullshit religious shit had some kind of basis in truth that there is this accountability in oh. some way. And in, in with, that, with that being more than a concept, with it being something that I, I really saw, and, and not that like there's a, some old white guy in the sky, right. not that, but just there's this collective accountability that, that I'm accountable for my stuff and you're accountable for your stuff and, and, and things we do together, we're accountable for together. Like, there's this thing that goes on. And just knowing that, God, if you were, if, if you were gonna devote your life to making money, you'd have to be foolish. Like, you'd really, yeah, I'm just saying, just on a baseline intellectual piece, that if you knew that, and you knew what your options were, and you elected to say, fuck that, I'm gonna make money, you missed the whole fucking thing. What do you think about people who say, all right, so there's someone listening to this right now who's 22 years old, going to Harvard, getting a finance degree, planning to go to Wall Street, Goldman Sachs, make a shit ton of money, (laughs) and then when he's 45, take all that money and do something wonderful to save the world. Which is sort of, you know, your life trajectory if we back way, way back, right? Right. Don't look at the details. So, is that guy full of shit? No. Would that guy be better off taking his brain and knowledge and, and like, just getting into it right now and trying to do something ground level? I'm going to tell you that what I really believe is that the sooner that these kids could could do the medicine and ask the right question and see it for what it is, Man, what progress we could make! Real progress, and 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 what I mean is not in the Western ideal of what progress is, but what real progress. What could some of these kids that have a lifetime to work on something yeah. do for hunger? What could they do right, for right. inequality? What could they do for rights? What could they do if really, if you started and you were as hell? I've never seen more motivated kids than you see. Uh, with the fresh MBA. They want to rip shit and burn and fucking cash checks and fucking break necks. That's what they want to do. If they had that kind of desire 
Right. Like for something that yeah. had a different value to it. Right. You know? Yeah. What could happen in one lifetime? What look yeah. what Bill Gates did with money. Right. You know, just fucking the chasing money. Yeah. Right? And Steve Jobs and these guys. Look what they accumulated. Imagine like if if Warren Buffett at age nine had this thing happen to him. And he turned out pretty cool, Warren Fantastic Buffett. Fantastic yeah. But imagine if his whole thing was to to fix rights for women yeah. or to or to do like to yeah. go at something like that that driven yeah. to go for something like that you get a, a few people like this yeah and and it's so crazy the the problems that we perceive as problems that that i perceive now as problems you know that they're in the hands of a very small group of men isn't know? it interesting how you know you mentioned uh, steve jobs who Publicly credited his use of um, LSD, his experiences crazy, with LSD, right? yeah, as yeah. helping him Get think outside the box <laughs> and you know all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, although he was still kind of a dick. As, he was uh, a full-on dick. Yeah, so like that's that's one example yeah, of, of using a misuse, the sort of for a particular thing because yeah. it works in everything. Yeah. So like you can use it for whatever you want to use it for, yeah. right? But to really, if you were hearing like if he was and he was a guy. I mean, that's a, he's a miracle man. That guy makes things happen out of nothing. He's demanding. Imagine if he had that for world hunger, if he had that yeah. for, if he had that in one lifetime. Right. Right. You get 20 of these kids, yeah. especially bright kids, like what you're talking about. Like, yeah. you know, they're going to Harvard or, or going to Wharton, getting their MBA. And, yeah. and they part of the, the curriculum is they got to, Take five journeys, like holy shit! Yeah, <laughs> what a different world! You're right. <laughs> what a different world! But it's already happening, right? I mean, I think it is. I think Elon Musk. I think I, I don't won. have proof, but I think he's one. I think he's using some interesting so stuff. Yeah. I think he's well aware of the kinds of things you I and I are talking about. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I think I think it's the the whole sort of microdosing in Silicon Valley. That's a great sign. Yeah, yeah the whole yeah. sort of hallucinogens are leaking into upper echelons of uh, so society. Good. I heard the other day Al Franken. You know him? Yeah, the, I like Al Franken. He's yeah. a cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was in an interview, and because he has a new book out, and. Um, they were talking, his wife was an alcoholic and he was at Saturday Night Live when John Belushi was there yep. and a lot of drugs and yeah. death. And and um, there's Terry Gross, you know her, that she's on, she does Fresh Air. On oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She's yeah. a good interviewer. Yeah. Yeah. She's really good. Um, but she's super straight. Uh-huh. She's up, I've never, I was supposed to go on, but they canceled because uh-huh. she doesn't like talking about sex. <laughs> uh, and, and she's just totally straight, this uh-huh. woman. Anyway, so she said something like, well, of course, you didn't do any drugs at Saturday Night Live. And he was like, are you kidding me? You know, there's Coke every <laughs> We'd never get anything done if there weren't for all the Coke. And, and um, you know, I was a deadhead, and I, I tr- took a lot of acid when I was young. And then she was just like, so anyway, then the <laughs> right over. and there was no like. Well, what did you learn? Yeah. You know, like what? Yeah. How did that affect your your growth as yeah. a as a person? Um, which is to, you know, but that's the first time I've ever heard a senator say he used hallucinogens. I like that. <laughs> <I love laughs> the times that. they are changing. They are changing. You know. You know that's what's crazy. interesting too, and I would love to find out what you think about this. The I know these guys like. Uh, 
Joe Rogan, Aubrey Marcus, all this. There's this whole group yeah. of guys that are like pro. They're both friends of mine. And they're all pro hallucinogens. Yeah. It was all going good. Yeah. And, and it would appear, you saw that we got legalized and that's going in a particular direction. And I talk to people all the time and I think, what do you, what do you, what do they think about the legalization of DMT and how long that will take? And most people think it's never going to happen. Hmm. Even, even with the way things have gone, like with the weed thing, yeah. right? But, but what's your thought? Like, do you think that there'll ever be straight up DMT, DMT or ayahuasca? Ayahuasca, however, whatever version. Well, I just read a few days ago that. And I only read, I saw the headline, I didn't read the article, so I may not have the details right, but I believe that um, the Santo Daime Church in Canada now has federal permission. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Is that yes, true? That's okay. true. Okay, yeah. that's yeah. that's what I thought. Yeah. So that's pretty major, yeah. right? And um, I, I think ayahuasca in the U.S. is, you know, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. I mean... I know in L.A. there are probably 20 circles that I know of of people Uh, who are getting The estimate I heard was uh, 70 a night, that there's 70 ceremonies a night in L.A. Yeah, yeah. And I could believe that easily. Right. Yeah. So I think it's one of these things that's just under the radar of the federal government. It's how are you going to... You're going to stop everyone with brown liquid and, you know, (laughs) it's just like it's It's going to be... Yeah. So... I think it's really interesting. I, but, I, but that selective enforcement shit yeah. fucks everything up. Sure it because, does. Because, you know, yeah. one dude, you know what they'll do? And one they'll pick one a, poor, poor fucker is going to get a 50-year sentence out right. of having a... Yeah, a, like the mushrooms. I've like done so mushrooms. many mushrooms, and some poor guy who was selling them at a dead concert is 30 years. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. And that's what's so crazy about that government. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And, yeah. and we're again back to racial shit. You I know? know, like a black guy gets caught with the same shit I've Looked been doing out. my whole life and yep. he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. did you do you were a fan of the mushrooms? You didn't. Yeah. 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 It, it, yeah. Hallucinogens were for me uh, an important part of my education. Uh-huh. You know, I, uh-huh. the first experience I had was Halloween night, 1980, my freshman year in college. Uh-huh. And um yeah, I. Uh, it, it was one of these things. I, I, I mean, I don't know if you felt this, but the first time I was in that state of consciousness, it was so familiar. Interesting. It was like, huh. and it reminds me of what you said earlier, how the soul separates from the self, and then there's this sort of you know re- return. Yep. Um, I felt like, oh, oh, this, you. I know this place. Uh-huh. This is That's reality. That's a great feeling, right? Yeah, yeah. and like, yeah. oh, wow, it's so great to like, to be back here, you know, and it's so calming yeah. and and like, you know, I can go back in the real world, you know, in, in yeah. air quotes and play their games. But I know this is here. I this know is this is what's going on. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Really so beautiful. through my 20s, I I used a lot of uh, mushrooms and LSD and, you know, I, did you smoke weed? I did in college, uh-huh. uh, and I've I've uh, grown weed a uh-huh. lot. I really enjoy growing. Did you feel that smoking weed, the feeling of of being high, that there was any correlation between that and the mushrooms? No, not for either. me. Like I swear to you, it feels so that uh, I used to like smoking weed, and 
It just I can't even do it. I can't do it. Yeah, I, I rarely smoke anymore. I can't do it. It's um, to me, weed's more like alcohol. It, yeah. It's like yeah, it feel you know, if I'm in a good mood, it, it'll make a mood a little better. Yeah. You know, I find it's the thing about weed that's interesting for me is it um, it sort of. Uh, how can I say it? It like awakens my awareness of my body. Uh-huh. So if my back's tight, I can really feel oh, it. Yeah, yeah. If I haven't worked out much or, uh-huh. you know, I'm sort of getting lazy, I feel my body's heavy and uh-huh. sluggish. And so it gives me that body awareness. Body connection. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which can be good or bad depending where I'm at, you know. Um, when you write. Yeah. You're just crystal clear. See, that's why I don't do a lot of weed. Because if, yeah, if I'm writing, like, it's okay for ideas, you know, uh, like, oh, that would be but cool. But getting it done, but it doesn't getting work, it done, does forget it? about no, it. Yeah. I know. No, I can't do it. There's a whole generation, too. This is what's so crazy. And this is what I feel so bad about is that, uh, not bad about, because legalizing everything is, in my opinion, the right way of going about right. anything, right? Yeah. But, uh, it's a shame when they have we have mushrooms, we have ayahuasca. There's all forms of different from DMT that could be yeah. so fucking helpful to kids, to young adults, right? Yeah. That, that yeah. I mean, like what happened to you, life changing. And the thing is, your experience with uh, mushrooms is unique, that because most kids do it. And they're drinking when they do it, and they do they're it. They're in a fucking party, and it gets all weird. Yeah, and it they don't get the benefit right. of the thing because right. the container is just as important as the medicine. Yeah, just the way it is. Yeah, and and you know these this, these things could be doing so much uh, for kids, and then they you know when kids get on weed, my son, uh, who's in the music business, but uh, before he ever did plant medicine. He was smoking an eighth of weed a day, Oof. and he couldn't fucking put out a song. Yeah, the thing. He was in the music business, and he couldn't. He, had, he started fifty songs, but finished none, and then all of a sudden did uh, a boga one time. Never smoked weed again, and next thing you know, within two weeks, he had like thirteen or sixteen songs. He'll tell you, done, hmm. and like all of a sudden, shit got done. Yeah, and I was thinking, wow, you know, because we have a whole generation of of people now that are that are smoking a lot of weed, and and not yeah. the kind of weed when we were kids. Yeah, you're right. You smoked that fucking California weed. Yeah. Holy shit, dude! Yeah. It's and that's not wax. I'm just saying. The that's weed. one of the reasons I don't smoke. <laughs> like, it's like, are you crazy. kidding? It's debilitating. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I lived. <laughs> I think I mentioned I lived in Europe for a large part of my life, uh-huh. so I got used to the Euro spleef. Mix uh-huh. it with tobacco. Uh-huh. I hate tobacco. I never smoked tobacco. Can't stand it. But I still, if I smoke a joint, I prefer it with tobacco, tobacco even though I'm dizzy for 10 minutes every time I smoke one, just to like uh, cut the weed a little. It's just too strong. And that's also why I like to grow it, because I'll I'll grow homegrown that Uh isn't that strong. Yep. So, you know. That's different, actually, I think. Yeah. 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 No, I, I I think marijuana is a beautiful plant, or, you know, set of plants, because you got the indica and the sativa and all that. But... uh, yeah, I really, I enjoy growing. I started growing in San Francisco in the 90s. Um, a guy who grew, a, a gay friend of mine who grew for AIDS patients uh-huh. sort of taught me some of the techniques and um, that's where I started. And then I grew in Spain where it's basically legal. legal right? and so yeah. it's, Spain's funny. Spain, Spain is like, 
everything's legal unless you bother someone. Interesting. You know, yeah. it's a different league. I think European countries in general, maybe not Germany, but certainly France, Italy, Spain, it's, it's based on is someone complaining. <laughs> yes. Right. Well, that's how Costa Rica is. That's very interesting, yeah. right? Yeah, it's a yeah. Latin thing. Yeah. Whereas in America, it's did you break the law? Yes. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, midnight, there's no one within 100 miles, but you went through the red light, yeah. you know, you I'm going to pull you over. The ticket. Yeah. yeah. And, right. and so it creates this oppositional relationship with police uh-huh. where like, yeah, you know, some police are good people, but you're out to fuck me over, man. <laughs> exactly. You know, as yeah. opposed to you're here to intervene if I'm bothering someone, right. which is fair enough. I like that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a much better way to organize much, society, much better I think. Way. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I think we're at this weird historical moment. I was talking with Kimberly the other night. I love a her. mutual friend of oh. ours. Uh, and she, we were talking about this quote from Arthur Miller, the playwright yeah. who wrote The Crucible. He's married to Marilyn Monroe for a while. It's this, this line that always comes to me. He says, an era can be considered over when its basic illusions have been exhausted. Ha. And if you look at our day, I mean, just you and I are roughly the same age. We can both remember when everybody thought that Wall Street was a good place to invest your money. Absolutely. That they were yep. conservative. Yeah. And, you know. You can count uh, on them. Yeah. The, the church, <laughs> good people. Absolutely. You know, you can count on them. They're decent guys. Uh, you know, whatever government, government, they have our best interests. It's messy, but, you know, they're trying to help That's the people. all in our time. Everything, all the institutions are collapsing. I know. And yet, at the same time, we've got this incredible insurgence, this sort of flood of hallucinogens coming in, you know, and, you know, I remember when nobody was, you know, who was doing mushrooms 30 years ago? Nobody. Hippies, you know, and some college students. But it was so out of favor. It was not, nobody did it. We were talking about maps earlier, you know, Rick Doblin at maps. When I I first hooked up with him in like 92, 93, I had a, I was in grad school and one of my professors was like, you should, you should meet this guy. And I remember thinking, are you crazy? You think you're going to change the U.S. government to let LSD and MDMA and these things come back and get legit research and be used in clinical settings? You're fucking nuts, man. (laughs) And here we are. I know. And they're doing, you know, PTSD research on vets. I know. You know, using psilocybin in, in people with terminal cancer and one trip and they're suddenly all their anxiety about dying is it's gone. Over. That's the it's gift incredible. There. That's crazy shit, yeah. So yeah. Anyway, that's a long way of saying I think what you're doing here is so fucking cool, man. Ah, thank you, man. Thanks. Really. You know? It's, uh, my heart's in it. You know, your heart's in it. Feet, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your heart, your your bank book, your checkbook. <laughs> you're, in you're in I'm it. in it. Up to your fucking neck. It has neck. to work. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it is working, I think. Yeah, it is. It's, how long have you been open? We opened in February of last year. Okay. So, so a year, a little over a year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, uh, my, I, I hope my audience knows me well enough to know that I would never lie to them. I know that they do. And uh, I can wholeheartedly recommend this place. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're a super interesting guy. You're super oh, uh, thanks. authentic. And that's the, the thing. I think what, what's happening, I think, with people is that more of this is becoming common. 
Like, mm. and, and remember when, and remember when, you know, I didn't even know it, but most of the media that I watched my whole life was was complete fabricated yeah. bullshit. It's another good thing, yeah. I, I didn't know yeah. it. There I, is this weird authenticity uprising. There's something You talked going about on. Joe and Aubrey. I mean, Joe, Joe Rogan, he gets like a million downloads an episode. Wow. Huh. That's more than most TV shows. That's I would think way so. more than like Bill O'Reilly on Fox yeah, News or whatever. Yeah. And, yeah. and he's just hanging out, shooting the shit with just people. Talking. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, there there aren't a lot of things that make me feel hopeful, but that's one, right? But did you, as a young guy, you probably did. I didn't know. What like did I it? would watch fucking the Republican National Committee or fucking sixty Minutes or or Wall Street Tonight, or and I think it's all fucking true. Hmm. This is like we had a whole generation of people yeah. that were told, you know, that when we're in, even I was even though I was a kid. Uh, I knew there were protesters in the Vietnam conflict, but I knew we were doing the right thing. I was told we were doing the right thing. Yeah. So everybody believed a particular thing that if you buy this shit, your life's going to work out. You buy right. a Chevy, things are going to be great. You're like, <laughs> fucking, it was just this shit, and you're yeah. just believing it all. And then to find out at my age that it was all a fucking crock of shit, by and large, yeah. and, and that there's this little bit of truth that are these truths are leaking in, yeah. right? And that that what a what a real breakthrough, but what a burden for, like to really make this uh, this authentic shit, yeah, the truth, the widely cast truth, right? That's interesting shit. It is yeah. interesting, and never before have has our species been at this place where. Yeah, I talk about this a lot on the podcast. It just fucking blows my mind. You look at that equipment I got over there. It's $400 worth of equipment. Yeah. We're sitting here. I go put this thing in my laptop. I push a few buttons. I write a little intro, slap your photo up, and it goes out to the world. That's and crazy, there's no right? filter. There's nobody saying, oh, you can't say that, and you don't talk about that. What That's never existed shit. before. You Ain't know? that amazing? You know, you you remind me of this this line. You know, William Blake, who was a he was yeah. a poet and a, a great illustrator from I think the 1600s, maybe 1700s. Um, he was like a mystic, crazy, uh -huh. interesting dude. But anyway, one of his he wrote a book called the, or it's a long poem called the the book. What is it? The something about heaven and hell. The I can't remember what it is, but the line is the palace of wisdom lies at the end of the road of excess. Ah, interesting. I like that. I do. I do. You know, <laughs> I feel like this is this is the palace of wisdom yeah, right here. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So congratulations for making it well, uh, thank you so down much. that road of excess, yeah. man. Listen, thank you so much for having me on yeah. this thing. Hey. Thank you so much, really brother. Good. Yeah, thank you. I'm going to end it. Anything else? No, I'm just so right. happy. Oh, could I give yeah. my the thing? Sure, yeah, it? yeah. And it's, I'll also do it in the intro, but later. Oh, you will? Here. Okay. Yeah. No, say it, say it here, too. It's rhythmia.com. Right, R-Y-T-H-M-I-A.com. Dot com. And we're in Liberia, Costa Rica. Yes. Yeah, cool. All right, Thank you, man. Thank you for hanging out. If you'd like to support the podcast and are financially able go to patreon.com and search for tangentially speaking 
you enter your credit card, tell them you want to give me a buck, five bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, 50 bucks, 200 bucks, and then they'll just automatically ding your credit card and you don't have to think about it again. Uh, if you don't have uh, the money to do that, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Tell your friends about the podcast, write a review on iTunes, or just enjoy the podcast. It doesn't matter. I want to thank Basin and Range for that intro music. The song's called Bright Side of the Sun. And you can check them out at basinandrangeband.com. If you want to talk about the podcast, you can go to Reddit, where there are a few thousand people chatting about the podcast. Uh, I drop in and answer questions, post photos, uh, whatever. Pretty cool community there. Another forum where you can meet fellow listeners to this podcast is at t eight. No, sorry, tspeaking.boardhost.com. This has been set up by a listener to enable people to um, register and uh, their different states and countries. So you can find people who live near you, get together, have a beer, smoke a bowl, eat some mushrooms, dance under the moonlight. However you celebrate these things, you'll find uh, like-minded spirits on that. It's again, it's tspeaking.boardhost.com. Com. And uh, if you want to get some T-shirts, we have the Civilized to Death shirts, Sex at Dawn shirts, Tangentially Speaking shirts. They're all in my mom's garage. She will get them out to you in a jiffy. Julie, my mom, is one of the most efficient people you will ever meet. So you can find those on my website. That Chris Ryan, ChrisRyanPhD.com, TangentiallySpeaking.com, whatever. You'll find them. Just look in the store there. If you want to buy some other T-shirts from the same manufacturer, that Shore Design T-shirt, shirts they are fantastic i know i say this is an ad free podcast uh and this could be construed as an ad but sure design t-shirts have been supporting this podcast since its inception bennett who was the dude there decided he was going to support the podcast he sent me a bunch of shirts uh at an extreme discount to uh, help us out since bennett died the people who took over sure design t-shirts.com uh have decided to continue giving us the same deal that bennett gave us so be sure to use the discount code CTD, as in civilized to death, when you order anything from them and you'll get 20%, 20% off your entire order. That's the discount code CTD, and that's at suredesigntshirts.com. Thank you to Carsey Blanton for the song you're about to hear. You can check her out at carseyblanton.com. She performed this little ditty, especially for us. Sounds like she was sitting in her garage. You can hear the birds chirping. The song is called Smoke Alarm, and it's a reminder to live now because you're going to die one day. This is for you guys, Bennett and Justin. Miss you. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm going to die one day. Why do you waste your time thinking about your reputation? Trying to meet an expectation, wondering what they're going to say. When everyone you've ever known is headed for a headstone. I don't want to give the end away, but we're going to die one day. 
ask for much A little music and a soft touch Why don't you let it out to play Your heart is in a birdcage Singing in your chest You wanna shut it up but give it a rest You're gonna die one day Why do we waste our time Thinking about a reputation to the ground. 